I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You are very welcome to the Ireland's Birth Stories podcast. My name is Cora Gernon. I created this space for women to share all of the details surrounding their pregnancy, labour, birth and everything in between without feeling shy about the detail. Sit back and enjoy over 100 hours of birth stories told by you, the listeners. Hello there, I hope you're all well and have had a good week. Before I share a little introduction on this week's story, so part two of Alice's story, her birth story and the birth of her son, Peter Rogue. I, of course, want to offer my condolences to Bran and Ross and their family. As I mentioned on Monday, they were going through a really tough time with Evie's health. And as Bran put it on Monday, Evie got her wings. And I, I just... Just a huge thank you to them for sharing their story. I looked forward to seeing Evie's little face all of the time and they didn't need to share as much as they did, but <clears throat> no doubt positive things have come from them being so open and generous um, with Evie's experiences. Um, so thinking of them, still thinking of them, we'll think of them for a long time to come. To talk about this week's episode... Uh, Alice shares her birth story. So in the first part of her story, you'll hear the level of preparation she did, how excited she was for birth, who her birth partner was going to be, which was her sister, um, her situation with um, her relationship with her ex-partner and so much more. So in this episode, she shares her birth experience. So she had an induction um, which and then gave birth to Peter Oge via cesarean section. So she shares everything surrounding that. Also talks about those early postpartum days, um, specifically as a solo mum as well, and breastfeeding. So she has a real passion for breastfeeding and supporting friends who are soon to be mums who have just become mothers. So a really nice episode. I really appreciate Alice sharing her story. I know it took a lot for her to kind of process everything that happened. It wasn't what she had in mind when she was preparing for labour and birth but she has put a lot of work into processing everything that did happen with the support of healthcare professionals. Thank you again Alice and enjoy. So Alice you are very welcome back. Um, I We just shared your episode on Monday 
um, and that was talking about pregnancy and the lead up to birth and your current situation then and your birth preferences and everything. And the two of us were so excited having that conversation. So now we are, you just flashed the monitor there. Um, so you have baby and you're all settled and you're doing great. So I am looking forward to hearing your birth story and also how you overcame everything um, throughout that experience. So if you wanted to start off by giving us a little recap, maybe from 38 weeks and how you felt, um, and then we'll talk about your about your birth story. Yeah, so um, I was 38 weeks at the time, and now I have a seven and a half month old. So yeah, <laughs> I'm lucky. Yeah, um, certainly does. So I, yeah, I was 38 weeks and I was convinced that I was going to have him very shortly. Um, didn't really happen that way um, and at the time I was I had gone through a lot mentally to my pregnancy but I was feeling mm-hmm. quite strong um, and I was just really yeah really excited to give birth Um, then the following couple of weeks I think once I hit 40 weeks I think like everyone like you're just you're done and you kind of you sign up for 40 weeks you don't sign up for any more um, but that's the way it worked out and then actually kind of my mental health kind of was dwindling a little bit again so I went okay. back into the mental health midwife or I had a phone call with her actually because I didn't want to move too much um and she just kind of helped like rest my mind a little bit but I I kind of knew that the fears were going to be there about something happening to him until he was in my arms and mm-hmm. um, and then unfortunately though when I got to well, not unfortunately I suppose when I got to 41 weeks um which I never thought I would reach um Oh, sorry. I'm going to go back a tiny bit. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So at 39 weeks, I actually started to lose my mucus plug. Okay. So I was convinced that I was going to go in soon. And like the doctors kept saying, oh, we won't see you next week and and everything like that. So I was drinking raspberry tea, eating the dates on my bowl. I found it really hard to walk, but I like forced myself to go for a walk every day. I'm pretty sure people thought I was in labor because I'd be like walking a few steps and like stopping and like breathing because it was so sore and then continuing on. Um, but then at 40 weeks, I was offered a sweep, which I, from doing my research, I was kind of like, um, if I, if I near labor, it'll kind of tip me over the edge, I think so. And if I'm not, then it won't work or whatever. So I'll go for it because everyone keeps telling me I'm nearly there, but it didn't work. Um, and then they also said, okay, well, we book you in for your induction. And I said, no, <laughs> I want to give the full two weeks if I can they were they were kind of surprised in some ways but I just I really was adamant that I wanted to experience that mm-hmm. feeling of going labor if I could um and then at 41 weeks um my ex-partner actually contacted me and this was something that I was kind of debating in my head like discussing it all because like I don't know I haven't really talked about it but it kind of I was through my journey being so open and honest I've had such a good reaction Mm -hmm. um, and I've been able to connect with so many women who've gone through similar things and then when I listened to Sarah Louise's podcast recently I just was really like her honesty was so refreshing and like seeing that she's kind of through the other side helped me so I was kind of like okay well if I talk about my experience now I might help someone as well Mm -hmm. so um, I wasn't expecting that. He contacted me and said that he wanted to be involved in whatever way I would let him. Um, and I wanted to tell him to go away because I had, you know, I'd prepared completely for this. Yeah. And I had 
heard from him since I told him I was pregnant. Um, but I just told him, like, I can't think about this right now. Like, I have to focus on me and, and my baby. And don't contact me again. I'll contact you after I have the baby. Um, and I think that my body went into, like, like protective mode because so people said to me oh I, I'd say now like that'll force you to go into early labor and I or not early labor because I was overdue but um go into labor and I felt the opposite I felt like my body was like no hold on to this baby because I knew I could keep this baby safe in my belly and I didn't have to share him with anyone and so I I, I genuinely think that it took me so long to go into labor because of that like I mean maybe that's yeah. just something I have in my head but that's just how I I feel about it. Um, well, people, I know, I know during COVID, um, there hasn't been research released yet, I don't think, but they w- tipped over into 40, 41, 42 weeks. Um, so there was a higher percentage of people who were going down that route rather than going into labour at 37 weeks on because they were in protective mode and just looking after themselves and keeping baby in a safe space. That's really interesting. Cause then, yeah, really interesting, maybe, yeah. Yeah, so maybe that is exactly what happened, especially because I kept being told like he's engaged, your service is favorable, like all the things you want to hear and nothing happened. Um, so then at 41 weeks, they offered me another sweep. Um, oh, and so that was like, I was 41 weeks and four days or something like that. So um, when I actually w- reached 41 weeks, I started to have, I don't know if it was like really bad Braxton Hicks or if it was early labor. Um, but something that was going on kind of all on and off all day. And then one night it was all night where I thought this is it. And then it just stopped in the morning. So okay. that was happening for a few days. Um, and then and so on the Thursday, which was actually my 30th birthday, I um, went to lunch by myself and I was kind of like breathing through like something. So I was like, I don't know. Um, and then they went, that's when I got another sweep. And they were like, okay, you need to come back in tomorrow to have a scan and to talk to the doctor to book an induction for when you reach 42 weeks, if you reach 42 weeks. So went back in the next day and the scan was fine. They booked me in for an induction on the Monday. And so I was kind of like, okay, well, at the very least, I'll have a baby by next week and it'll all be started on Monday. That evening, I went into labor. <laughs> so that was really cool. Um. I it was like five o'clock in the evening and I was having a bath and I don't know what it was I just knew I was like I think this is the beginnings of it because they started to come more frequent um I don't know it just it felt different I suppose um and then I was kind of timing them I was like getting into the shower into the bath um and by nine o'clock that night I can't remember the timings but I do remember thinking okay I should call the hospital so I called them and they said okay come on in um, and I felt so bad for my sister. She'd worked all day. And then I called her at 9 p.m. was like, hey, like, let's go. go. <laughs> and know, did you feel like, that sense of excitement? Yeah, I was like, I can't believe like this. This is it. Like, mm. and, you know, and part of me were driving in and it was a Friday evening. I was like, oh, we don't even get to use like the bus lanes and be like yeah. dramatic yeah. about it. <laughs> it was so quiet. Um, but yeah, so we went in and. They brought me straight up to labor and delivery and she said, okay, like I'm going to check you, but I reckon I'll either be sending you home or sending you to the ward. 
Um, and I was like, okay. So she checked me and she said, oh, no, um, you can stay. Uh, you're not fully in active labor, but I think within, I'll give you an hour and I think you will be. Um, and I was like, oh, cool. So my sister was able to come up and um, I was just walking around. I got changed into my nighty and just doing all the bits. And then an hour later, she checked me and I was two centimeters and she said an active labor. So I was so excited um, that like, this is it. Like I'm not being sent home um, and I didn't have to go to the ward. That was like something I really like didn't want to have to do because I went there. Um, I think I don't I can't remember if I said it in the last episode, but I had a couple of times where I had some reduced movements, and one of the times they sent me to the ward because they were busy, and I just like I don't want to be here. Um, so yeah, I was glad I didn't have to go to the ward. Um, so that this, this whole part of my labor after that, she said I was in active labor. Oh, she broke my waters actually, which I in hindsight I don't know how I feel about. I felt like maybe I would have liked a bit more time, but she did it um or she asked me of course and I said mm-hmm. yes um and then I was in the shower um I was on the ball I started using the tens machine I felt like I felt so powerful like I felt so womanly and that part of my labor like I'll do again a million times over and I was listening to the song I am woman by Emmy um Nelly and like I just kind of I just felt really powerful and um, had my diffuser on, my music, all the midwives were complimenting my playlist, um, which I was very proud of. Um, and the midwives were so lovely. And in particular, the midwife who was covering the breaks, she was the home birth midwife that was like on call. So she was just doing paperwork and was covering breaks. So she in particular was just amazing because she knew I was doing hypnobirthing and like she really helped me with my breathing. Um, and yeah, I think she actually was like the person within my labor that I've like touched onto in memories. Like they were all really great, but she was mm-hmm. just like next level or whatever. Um, so when I went into the shower though, my contractions kind of slowed down a little bit. Um, so they kind of wanted me to get out of the shower. I don't know, maybe it was too relaxed and move around. And so I was on the ball um, and I'm trying to think how many hours it was. It was a couple of hours and she checked me and I was still two centimeters. So I hadn't progressed at all. And they decided then that I needed to go onto the oxytocin drip. Um, again, something that I wish I had asked for a little bit more time, but um, was put on the drip and they had to monitor me for the first 20 minutes. And then they said, you know, once everything's fine, you'll be able to get up and continue your active labor. Um, and so then after the 20 minutes, the baby, he wasn't, he wasn't tolerating it. Um, so I, if only if I lay on my left-hand side, his heart rate would be okay. So I had to lie on my left-hand side. Um, I had the cuff, the blood pressure cuff on that was checking intermittently. Um, and the drip was kind of, they put it back down to bring his heart rate to, to normality or whatever. Um, but I still had to like lie on my left hand side. So the way I describe to people, I say it's like having an epidural without the pain relief because I mm-hmm. couldn't move um on the bed. And then I got a fever at one point um and they managed to bring it down. But see, like this that whole section of the labor, I just I don't have a lot of memories from, just that I hated it. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I found it really hard and 
I think part of me even during that point was like why did I go on the drift like I didn't I knew I didn't want to why did and, and that kind of thing was going through my head already um but then after I think it was eight hours since my waters had broken I'm not I, I'm I said okay can I have the epidural please so um the anesthetist came in and he took ages to, to do it um and then when he did have it in there was like a pocket of pain so there was one section that it didn't work in um but at the same time I was I perked up I was able to sit up in the bed and um, I was able to this way I was able to like talk again I was able to like send a message to my parents to let them know how I was getting on so I was definitely a lot more present okay at that point um and I had to lie on my left hand side for a while longer but then after a while he seemed to tolerate a bit more so I was able to go on my back again but actually before I got the epidural I said please can I just stand up for five minutes before I get it like I just need to stand up yeah as soon as I stood up I could feel I was more present and I was able to manage it better so at that moment even I was so disappointed because I was like if I just was able to have moved around like I wanted to it would have been okay but he needed me to be on my left hand side so I'm obviously going to have to make sure that he's safe yeah of course Um, and Alice, just can I ask you, um, mentally, how are you feeling? So was there any like intrusive thoughts when it came to how baby was or were you OK there? Were you just focused on on um, how you felt at the moment? Actually, no, I don't think I had at that point any thoughts, really. OK. Um, and I thought from the hypnobirthing that I was not going to be someone who uses the um, not the affirmations. And I just thought I wasn't. But I actually was saying them over and over my head. Like, oh, amazing. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it really helped me. Like, I was surprised. Um, I can't even remember the ones that I used the most. But really, like, your body is made for this and all that kind of thing. Yeah, so that really helped helped me. And I really didn't think that would be me at all. Um, so then, yeah, after, I think it was like 10 hours they'd kind of given me. And sorry, they checked me once or twice and I was all every time I was still at two centimeters. So I wasn't progressing at all. Um, and then at one point they had like a changeover in shifts. And I remember like all these doctors coming in and just like standing at the foot of my bed, smiling at me. And I was like, didn't really know what to do. Like I was kind of smiling back at them, but laboring and they were discussing me. Um, they weren't like rude and they weren't they yeah. were friendly, but it was just weird to have these people smiling, discussing you while you're just like looking at them. And I feel like maybe they could have done that outside the door. But anyway, yeah, um, that's a good point. That's <laughs> and then the midwife, the baby all left. It was about 10 hours after the midwife said to me, look, it's been 10 hours. So I think what's going to happen is they're going to come in and tell you you're going to have to have a, an emergency C-section. So I'm going to prepare you for that conversation just so you're not like blindsided, which I actually really appreciated because C-section was something that was just not on my radar at all. I prepared for like every single kind of birth, like forceps, episiotomy, everything. But I, one thing I did not prepare for was a C-section. I was like, no, I'm not manifesting that. Like it's not happening. Um, I even feel like I might have skipped over some of the podcasts with that because I was like, no, 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 not yeah. happening, not happening. Um, but part of me at that point was like, I'm just so exhausted. Nothing is happening. I'm sore because that like one pocket of pain from the epidural was like so intense. Um, so when they came in and said it, I was kind of like, okay, like that's fine. 
But then at that moment, I realized, oh, my God, I'm about to meet my baby. And like I got really overwhelmed. So they brought me into the um, operating room. My sister wasn't there, but there were so many people in the room. And you go from like this dark room with your nice music and your diffuser and your midwife to like surgeons and curtains and lights and everything and I remember just sitting on the edge of the bed and like I was completely silent through this whole thing the midwife just said are you okay and I was like I'm just a little overwhelmed and she like I had a mask on and she like ripped my mask off and took my head in her hands like it's okay don't worry I'm here and it was exactly what I needed because I don't know if it was like I was trying to be brave and not get upset and I was just all I wanted to do was cry and to I don't know what but I just I couldn't say a word and her doing that was just really like I don't know it was really nice um and actually that was one of my only questions when she said you're gonna have to go for a second I was like will you be there and she said yes I will be there don't worry um so when they were like preparing me for the section I yeah I don't know it was it was really bizarre like I was I, I couldn't say where my sister was beside me and they're all just talking around me but I was like I'm about to meet my baby like this is insane and the actually what I'm really glad is they took my phone and they took photos and my phone was on live mode so I have like little videos oh awesome brilliant <laughs> yeah I'm saying like happy birthday and I just get so emotional thinking about it like I said and it's a little boy all right and I was just like he's here and when I was listening to my first part of the podcast I realized that I kept saying the baby I never really said my baby because I never for one second I like during my pregnancy believed I would have a baby at the end um I just like thought okay even if right up until I give birth he's okay I'm gonna have a stillborn like I just I knew I've said like I'm not gonna have a baby it's just not like there's no point in getting attached and it was when I listened to the podcast that I realized geez Alice like you really didn't believe it at all and it was when they lifted him up that I have never in my life had a feeling of anxiety and just disappear like it was like literally just gone And what replaced it was like mother bear instincts. Like I need to protect this baby at all costs. But I like, it was just amazing. Like that feeling of just poof, gone. I I, I can't even describe it like with words, but yeah. And then instantly replaced. And it wasn't love at first. It was literally like instincts protect this child at all costs. And I still, I still couldn't say anything. I was just like, no expression on my face. Even in the pictures, it's just like blank stare like I just I was like oh my god this is happening he's here he's safe he's okay and then I heard him cry and they brought him over to weigh him and I think as well like I remember saying oh I wish I got skin to skin and my sister's like you did Alice like look at the picture I didn't even remember that like they I didn't get long they put him on my chest though and I forgot that like I was just in another world I think um but then they wrapped him all up and they put him on my chest and then I guess from all the pulling and stuff, I just thought, oh my God, I'm going to get sick. Take the baby away, take him away, take him away. So um, they were like, oh, ha, ha. like, oh, it's so cute. And I was like, no, no, I'm no. really going to get sick. And I said, well, like, like, obviously when you have a C-section, they're like right at your mouth. So um, they took they took him and gave him to my sister then. Um, and she went and held him in recovery while they just finished up the surgery. But um, 
I also wanted to encapsulate my placenta. And when they, when he was born, um, they said, look, I know you want to encapsulate it, but we think there's an infection. There's like a smell that kind of is the telltale sign. So, I mean, you're welcome to, but we would not recommend you. Um, oh, sorry. I was just, um, you're okay. there. Um, so we would not recommend you consume your placenta because of this. Um, so if you're okay with it, can we send it off to pathology? And I was like, yeah, that, that's fine. And actually in hindsight, I'm, I'm kind of glad because um, I ended up having quite a good milk supply and I'd love to in future if I have other babies to donate. And I read that you can't donate breast milk if you've done yeah. that. So it's something that like now, if I want to in future, I have that option. But um, I, I haven't written down the name. It was like the percent of the, the infection was, was like corimianotis. I don't even know how to say it. But and is that why was, your temperature went up? No. Yeah, so okay. that's why my temperature went up. Um, the midwife was said that she norm normally when you break the waters, you can smell something, and then that's and you would know then that you have it. But she said she didn't smell anything. It was only when it was um, when the placenta was out that okay. they smelled it, and then when they sent it off, it came back whatever amount of weeks later. But yes, it was there. But the only thing they had to do was monitor myself and. Um, and baby for like 24 hours just checking our like blood pressure and our temperature every couple of hours and we were both fine so um that was mother's day is around the corner find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from blue nile from timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones blue nile has something she'll adore need it fast most items can ship overnight Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns brand um and so they brought me in to 
recovery um and they helped me latch him on which was amazing but also the most like uncoordinated thing ever and I remember like she was kind of like fumbling and I was kind of fumbling and it just felt it felt quite awkward to be honest but also amazing um and then they brought me and him and my sister down to the wards and actually at that point then well like a little few hours later I wrote down everything like that happened like not any emotions just the physical facts because I was like I need to remember this otherwise I'll forget and my sister helped me which was really nice um and she stayed for a couple of hours and then I was like Sarah go home and sleep (laughs) so she left and it was just me and him and it was that night then that the love came like it was still protective instinct up until that night I just looked at him and I just started crying and was like you're here you're mine you're real um and it was just the most like amazing thing um and then the next day my sister came for a couple of hours and um, but I was mostly on my own um and the breastfeeding was hard but we were kind of managing and what was difficult was like a midwife will come in and tell you one thing and then you're like okay and as a first time especially you like whatever the first person says yeah. to you like that's fact like that's exactly what I'm going to do but then someone else come in and say something else so it's very confusing um and then on night two you know the night they say that they they wake up I remember sitting on the side of the bed like falling asleep holding him pretty much and um, trying to feed him and he just screamed cried for hours and I was just so tired that like even looking at my phone I was falling asleep and I was like this is so weird but like this is what I've heard I've heard it's really hard but I actually was completely like I ended up like hallucinating and everything I thought I was a midwife um and that I was caring for a little girl baby so not my my own boy baby and the midwife would come in and help me and I would thank her but I was thanking her like as a colleague not as as a mother like I thought I was okay yeah like she didn't figure that out but that's what I was doing like she came in and he'd gotten sick and I was like oh I'm just going to change these sheets later and she was like okay like why are you telling me that (laughs) go to sleep (laughs) yeah Um, yeah yeah what else I was just like random things like that but um the midwife actually who I mentioned before who was covering the break she came down the next day to see me I love when they do that they make the effort to do that yeah and the first midwife did as well um but the one who covered the breaks, she came down and she said, like, look, there's the early transfer home scheme. I think you'd be a good candidate for it. Like, have a think about it. Um, and I was like, yes, like, get me out of here. So after the second night, and it was so awful, I like, was like, please, can I go home? Um, so they said they cleared me, but then they took bloods. And just before I was about to leave, they came back. Like, no, 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 you can't leave. Um, my hemoglobin was like, really really low and that kind of explains why I was hallucinating yeah yeah um so they were trying to decide if they'd give me a transfusion or not but in the end they said just promise to take the tablets and you can go I was like okay (laughs) that's very trusting but I was delighted all the same so was there a significant blood clot blood loss then was there any blood loss noted or more than normal noted no there I don't think so I mean I should have probably asked that a bit more but um my sister was saying to me that like they can kind of monitor that when 
they're doing the section so like I didn't lose like a lot at all after like myself like I didn't notice any okay if that makes sense um so yeah so they let me go home and then went home to my parents and at this point I hadn't told my parents I hadn't told anyone except for my sister what I was going to call the what I was going to call him and my dad is called Peter and I called him Peter Oak so um yeah it was really special to be able to tell my dad in person because obviously with COVID he couldn't come in and, and see us um and that was really like amazing to tell him like his name so that was fabulous um is he the first grandchild no he actually has a cousin that's two months older so (laughs) yeah so um nearly nearly the first grandchild but obviously because we live with my parents and they they've already formed like the most amazing bond um and he loves like my parents so much like they're they're all really close which is so nice Mm. and then because I did the early transfer home scheme the um the midwives came out to me and that was brilliant because I didn't have to go in for like the heel for test and and they're obviously like they're just very knowledgeable about my breastfeeding and everything so that was lovely um his Peter Oak's weight dropped like I'm using air quotes like too much um and they were kind of saying like look if if he doesn't gain more weight they said that actually before I have to leave the, I left hospital you're gonna have to top him up with formula and I was like right okay and then when I got home the midwife said the same and then I said like I have a pump so she was like okay well you're gonna have to pump and supplement with that um for she just said for like 24 to 48 hours because he wasn't really having a lot of wet nappies either um but I just knew in my heart that the reason for it was that I didn't know what I was doing and he didn't know what he was doing if like I felt really confident that the feeding was perfect and it was the weight was dropping and he wasn't having wet nappies I think then I would have been concerned but I knew it was just because like I was so awkward about it um, and then sure enough, within 48 hours, like his weight was not reducing a lot and his um, his nappies were wet. So they were happy for me to stop at that point. Um, and I found breastfeeding like hard at the beginning. But um, I do. Part of me thinks that harvesting the colostrum helps like not toughen up my nipples, but maybe because I didn't have any pain at all, which I know I was really lucky um and he obviously didn't have tongue tie or anything so like that obviously helps as well but I never knew pain feeding it was just that it was really hard for me like awkward like I have like flat nipples so he was finding it hard to latch and stay latched and then I have a fast letdown and so as he was getting a little older it was just like squirting him and he couldn't handle that so it took me a really long time to get confident with it but now like I've gotten to that point where it's so handy and easy and I'm like, I love it so much and I don't know when I'll stop. And I was even looking up like how to become a lactation consultant because yeah. I was like, I'm just so passionate about breastfeeding now. But I'm like, wow, it's actually really, really difficult. So it is. And people yeah. don't right, realize it. It's, it takes it a lot. It's a huge yeah. commitment. Yeah, huge. So, I mean, we'll forget about that and I'll just be helpful to friends instead. Um, how did you feel physically? Were you after like surgery? How, yeah. how were you in pain or? So when I left the hospital, I wasn't because I mean, I had been on um, oral morphine. So that helps. But then, um, yeah, no, when I left, then I got I was in a lot of pain, like I couldn't stand up and walk really without 
being sore and I remember clinging to the side of the cot just to try and get up to get him out during the night um, and then it started my wound started to bleed and the midwife wasn't overly concerned but um, then because I had the pico dressing which is like a suction dressing but that malfunctioned then so they took it off and um, that was like four or five days post-surgery but then I'm one day I went to the bathroom and when I stood up, a pool of blood just poured like onto the floor. So um From your wound. I, from my wound, oh. yeah. Um and I'll I'll never forget it because everyone happened to be out of the house and Peter Oak was crying and there was all this blood on the floor that I was like, I can't leave this here because I'll scare someone. Like and I was there trying to clean it while he was crying and even though like, like obviously I should have just gone, but you know, anyway. And so I went into the hospital and basically they just said there was like a hematoma behind it. So it was the pocket of blood that had to come out. Like they weren't concerned that it was reopened or anything. And it was just coming out. So it was incredibly scary. It was really scary. I had to keep changing the the dressing. um, And they put me on antibiotics, even though there wasn't a infection, just in case. And then a couple of days later, it was the bleeding just wasn't getting any better. Like I was soaking um, a dressing within an hour. So I went back in again and they checked and I had an infection this time. So they changed the antibiotics, I think, or prolonged it or something. And they kind of just said, though, like, yeah, like it just has to come out the blood. And I was like, this doesn't make sense. But actually, then within another day or two, um, within actually from then on it like lessened and lessened and then I think it was like two weeks when it like stopped bleeding um but it wasn't a terrible amount by that point it was only like a little bit um but yeah it was really scary and yeah I found it really painful really really painful and um I was I just said to anyone like if you cannot have a c-section like don't have one like that's what I just kept saying to people because obviously any kind of childbirth you have to heal from it but I just like it's it's weird to think about it now because I don't even remember but I just know at the time I was like no like if I have another baby I really want to try vaginally like I just couldn't go through this again I had to go into the hospital two weeks after I'd given birth because of the low hemoglobin and just to check it out and they just checked my wounds and everything and I I asked the questions about my birth like why why this why that and if I was able to if I had another baby could I have a VBAC and she said to me like look you of course can try but what happened is your body just didn't want to do it and it didn't want to labor and it didn't want to dilate so um she said honestly I think that if you were to have another baby it would end the same way so that doesn't stop me from if if I had another baby to try that's for sure but it is really disheartening and I came out of that and I just remember bawling crying to my mom saying like I failed like my body failed me and I didn't birth my baby and I would never say that to someone else and it's not how I think especially now in hindsight but at the time I just felt like I felt like a failure to be honest um and my mom I think I mentioned in the other one my my sister was born um at 30 weeks and my mom said you know I felt the exact same with Sarah I felt like my body had failed me and you know I couldn't keep my baby in but that's not the case and you know so it was really helpful to have that talk with my mom because she's you know just 
yeah, just to tell you like, no, your body didn't fail you. It did exactly what it's supposed to be. And she said, you know, a long time ago, if that, if the same situation happened, you both would be dead. And I know that's really grim, but it's true. Like, you know, if there was, if I wasn't able to have a C-section and he wasn't going to come out, like what was going to happen? And so I am really thankful of for modern medicine in that sense that I was, you know, we both were here safe and healthy in the end. Um, but I still, I still have some hangups about my, my delivery. I went into the mental health midwives after, and I, you know, I said it all to her and she kind of, and I said, you know, I wish I said, like, can I have longer before I go on the oxytocin? Can I have longer before my waters are broken? And if I've been able to walk around and she kind of said to me, you know, if you were able to walk around, yes, that would have really helped with your pain relief. And it would have helped with gravity to bring him down, but it wouldn't have helped necessarily to dilate. So regardless, you would have ended up the same way. So don't like, don't hang, like, don't be so upset with yourself, basically. Um, So that helped, like, it did help. And I I honestly don't think I'll ever 100% be like over it, because I just really wanted to know what it felt like to, Mm. to give birth um vaginally so I did get to feel what it felt like to go into labor so I'm really glad that I got to feel that um because if I didn't get both then I might have found it harder but um yeah no it was it was it, it is hard and it was hard but like now I'm a lot more happy about it um and then when I had had him I obviously let everyone know and I let um my ex-partner know that he was born and that's been like a really hard part of becoming a mom because yeah. I've had to kind of navigate that as well. Um, and so what I do is I let him see him or we I have an arrangement where he sees him like every other week for a couple of hours. Um, but other than that, I have full guardianship. I have full um, custody. I think I forgot to mention it when I when he did call me, I went into the um what do you call them? The um, going to annoy me. The the social worker. I went okay. to the social worker at the hospital. Um, I and they were brilliant. I just I emailed them and said like I need to speak to you, and they brought me in the next day. Yeah, because I was and going to just, say like, not that there's a, a rule book, but who how, how do you know what the right thing to do is? Exactly. You know, because every circumstance yeah. is so different. Yeah, so she even just went through all of my legal rights, and okay. that was really helpful to know. Um, and then yeah, it's like I wanted to just tell him to go away, and I mm. still, to be honest, do. But I feel like I can't do that because I don't want Peter Oak to grow up and and say, "Well, why didn't you let me get to know my my dad when he wanted to get to know me?" Mm. So I'm trying. I'm just facilitating that, and that's all I can do. And um. I have some really like amazing friends who are brought up by amazing single mothers. So even having them to talk to and be like, what would you have liked in an ideal situation has been really amazing. Um, Because it's hard to put like your feelings aside. Really hard. Yeah. Yeah, You don't want to talk to your ex. You just don't want to when he hurt me so much. Um, So that's kind of what I've been doing. And it's hard because, you know, when he doesn't, check in on Peter Oak I get annoyed and I get upset because I'm like how can't you want to Mm. see this gorgeous baby or know how he is but I have to put that aside and 
like I'm doing what's right for him I know that but it is it's like it's so hard um and then just like navigating single motherhood has been really difficult um like I'm lucky or not lucky like every when you're when you make mum friends you mainly just see the mums so you kind of forget sometimes that everyone else usually has a partner so I have made the most amazing friendships um I went to breastfeeding support group and which is like just through the HSE and I have made like the most lovely mum friends and without them I wouldn't have been able to continue my breastfeeding journey and I wouldn't I think like mentally be as strong like because I had him in the summer we were meeting up in the park several times yeah it's amazing yeah yeah like it made such a difference and when I hear of people who who don't or like during COVID like I've like how Mm -hmm. how did you cope because it I honestly don't know how I would have coped without getting out of the house and meeting up and making new connections because all my closest friends don't have kids or babies so it's like they're being great but they don't get it either yeah and then but all that like all that together though after a few months I did find that I was beginning to have kind of intrusive thoughts about Peter Oak and uh, my mood was getting really low so I went to the GP and she put me on some medication and I've been going to therapy as well and I was very skeptical that I'd find someone I click with because when I was pregnant I went to like two different therapists and I didn't click with them and I was like okay well just be another one but she's been phenomenal um and I feel like I'm kind of slowly becoming myself again um and that's been really nice because it was really hard there for a while um and it doesn't help that he's not a great sleeper (laughs) so I'm very sleep deprived (laughs) um but he's the happiest little boy like everyone always says like he does not stop moving. He does not stop smiling. Um, so I'm so lucky to have the most gorgeous, healthy boy. Um, just wish he would sleep a little bit better. <laughs> he will eventually. But I, no, Oliver was the same and I'm still crawling into his bed and he's four and a half. But he does sleep once I'm beside him. But it's yeah. really, it's really hard. And what I'm, I'm feeling, like Eva's the same. I was on her bed, on her floor all last night. What I find is such um, a relief is the, I feel like the spring is on its way. <laughs> yeah and it's the seasons as well make it and then it means you can get out more and meet other mums and it's easier and it's not as grim on a Monday morning to get out and meet for a coffee so things like the season changing you know you get to see all these new faces and sit in the playgrounds or in the parks and stuff like that so that's what really helps me on those yeah nights yeah when you don't get any sleep yeah because I definitely feel like my mood was the worst in these like these last few months where it has been darker and colder yeah I was the same yeah yeah and when also when they re- they kind of just pass that newborn stage where they sleep literally anywhere and there's no like you just go with it. Whereas when they get a little bit older, especially now having started solids, like yeah. you're kind of a bit more confined to a schedule. So yeah. it's hard. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, I feel like I'm getting a bit more here and getting a bit more there. Like it's been really hard and really lonely, like very, very, very lonely. Um, and there's times where I just wish like I had a partner to like not even physically support, but like mentally support. And um, I have good support around me, but it is like my responsibility at the end of the day. Um, and there's no one helping me, you know, during the night. So, you know, there's that. Um, but I mean, most or women who are breastfeeding, it's, that's the way it is for most of them anyway. So I know a lot of people say, 
they feel like a single mother sometimes. Um, I don't know necessarily how helpful that can be to say to a single mother, but mm. um, I do know that people do get me sometimes when it comes to it. Thank you so much, Alice. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for letting me share the story. If you are enjoying the podcast, I would love if you could take a moment to share a little review, send me an email, send me a DM or pop a rating in on whatever podcast platform you listen to Ireland's Birth Stories on. Um, also, if you want to support the podcast and help me keep it going, if you click on the ACAST link in the show notes, that will give you access to ad-free episodes and also um, for the price of a coffee, just support the podcast and help me keep it going. Have a good weekend and I will chat to you on Monday with a new episode. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.